hey fans, we all love some good music. A variety of music. What if we could bring Chriswell Studios to you 24-7? That's a long work schedule. Maybe, but you know, we just might have it. The best variety of music for multiple decades live on your phone 24-7 with our Gay Orlando Live online radio station. Better known as Go Live. Download the TuneIn app and search for Go Live or go to kristenwill.com for more info. So, tune, tune in. in. 24-7 worldwide. Feel the hits. Go live. this what about our life is it that bad no what about our life with chris and will oh the show that gets you talking yeah and these two haven't stopped talking for three seasons (laughs) how do you organize a space party i don't know how you plan it Welcome to another great episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. Yes! How are you guys? Happy New Year. It's a brand new year, new challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, are you missing Christmas yet? Sort of. <laughs> uh, you know what? Yes and then no. Um, yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. Today on the show, we are talking about you and your style. I love it. Yes. Yes. We've talked about that numerous times before, but we're going to talk about it again for the new year. And let's go in. How was our Christmas? It was interesting. <laughs> That's very delicately worded. Yes. It was very, well, you know what? We had actually for the 20 something years, Willie and I have been together. We have never had family over at our place. Yep. We have mm-hmm. always either had no one here or we traveled yeah. during the holidays. And mm-hmm. this year, that last year it changed. Um, I don't know that we will do that again if <laughs> you catch where I'm going with. It was very interesting. Let's just, yes. let's just say you you put my parents in a room together and it's just... All about pickles. <laughs> That's what it's about. It's all about pickles. So we're going to change the subject and talk yes. about pickles. I don't know why. I'm just going to talk about pickles. So you know when, you know, pickles are made out of cucumbers. Yeah. I think you drink pickle juice. I love drink, yeah. drinking pickle juice. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, the best thing about pickles for gay men, it's training. <laughs> Because, you know, you for a cucumber, it's dry dock. For a pickle, it's slippery when wet. Well, it depends on what kind of pickles you get because there's dill pickles. Yes. And then there's the really And just tiny like relationships, pickles. it can be kosher. <laughs> it can very much be kosher. And if you squeeze it hard enough, it can shoot you in the eye. Uh, just like a relationship. Too. Oh, man. Yes. Man. <laughs> that's how great our christmas was very it wasn't i think that the, the the conversation we're having was more interesting than than the actual christmas break mm-hmm. yeah you know what yes but you know what was. new year and we're full of amazing 
Let's do this. We are. You motivation. Know we experiment with a lot of different things. Yes. Yes. And, you know, the other day I was just curious. I was just like, oh, here, let me, let me, I just wonder if I could. And so I, I put a flashlight up to my stomach trying to see if I can get like a, you know, uh, uh, you know how they have, what, what do they call it? Um, I don't know. What? Something when they do the little picture things on your stomach. Oh, the sonograms? Yeah, or whatever, the ultrasounds or whatever. Ultrasounds. Yeah, Why ultrasounds. am I so... It's, it's so I put a flashlight up to my stomach and... You know what? Interesting enough, I saw the tuna fish doing jumps in my stomach that I ate from earlier today. <laughs> Folks, you just got another joke, okay, yes, for the I week. Did. It was, <laughs> it was it, it, I, I, I swear to you, it was the catfish tuna guy sitting there singing inside. Oh, my goodness. I swear to you not. I was not on any drugs. I was just <laughs> glad that all the days were over with. Yes, yes. So that was our, our lovely time. How was yours? Was it wonderful? Did you get what you want for Christmas? You know you're getting old when the best Christmas gift you got was the vacuum cleaner. Yes, and I am loving it, by the way. I know that sounds really odd, but I will admit, though. He was I crying. It's like... Yeah, we can afford a vacuum cleaner, but, but you know what? You know what? You know what's great <laughs> when people buy you gifts that you can actually afford to go buy, but when they buy you buy it, so you don't have to spend the money or just the thrill that they gave you something. Yeah, because people don't really give us. But anything. what's even better is if they get you one that you want, like a specific um kind of vacuum cleaner. Well, I don't know that a vacuum cleaner was really up the par of what I wanted for Christmas. Well, I know you, you know, didn't, but we really did need a new vacuum cleaner. We I mean, did, but we could have gone to the store and bought one. Yes, but anyways, so yes, if, as much as it sounds odd. I've been having fun with my new vacuum cleaner. Yes. The best, this is what our, we got for Christmas. Um, we got a vacuum cleaner, several cases of corn, soup, and beans. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents went on this grocery store fringe, the binge, that they had this sale on cases and cases of corn. And she thought it was <laughs> nice to send us cases and cases of corn, green beans, and chicken noodle soup. Yep. It was wonderful. We we eat all that. Now again, we can go to the store and buy this stuff ourselves. Yeah. It is in the store. We're we're not in that position, but um yeah, Merry Christmas. Here's a couple of cases of corn. Here's a couple of cases of green bean. We're gonna be eating that stuff for a long time. <laughs> I mean, she filled cabinets. We had more food in our cabinets than we ever have. We have Oh yes. Because we all what we decided when they came in the next day. When my parents came in, the mo you again, you know you're getting old when the most exciting thing is going around town going grocery shopping too. And we all went grocery shopping and we bought more junk that we could that we didn't eat. Mm -hmm. Here we are in the new year and it's it's still sitting there and we're we're just like, Okay, all right, why did we go buy all Because it was fun. You like going to the grocery store. I don't like going to the grocery store. I really really don't because then that means you have to lug that stuff all the way upstairs. But we have a cart for that, so we that's do, a good but, thing. I mean, with the amount of stuff. Oh, that a we, mini cart. Don't think of well, it as like a shopping cart bought, or something. I mean, the, like, you the know. The amount of stuff that we bought, it didn't fit. We had to make several trips. Several trips. And yes. then it started raining when we got home. So. Now, that was funny. So, that was I mean, funny because I'm making several trips when you have to get your groceries out of the car. It's not like, oh, 
boop, boop, there it is. No, you have to kind of make a little yeah. trek. So, you yeah. know. So that was our Christmas. So it was exciting. But you know what? We're talking about a new year. We're talking about styles. Yes. And on, on the show today, we got a lot of great writers. We got two great writers. We actually got one. She, she loves writing. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. So we're going to start your New Year's resolution off wonderful. And, you know, one of the things is that uh, they have promoting is they have been working on a Christmas film that came out this past December. Yes, we're going to talk about Christmas one more time. Uh, and so it's very interesting. It's a, it's a very short Christmas film, I think. We, we did see it. Uh, it's very good. It's very enjoyable. We loved it. And we recommend it. So we're going to talk about that a little later. Mm -hmm. But first, let's go into our first topic, which is prolific writer. Oh, prolific. There you go. Yes. See, I'm still stuck on pickles. <laughs> I need some pickle juice. Well, it was a P word. So, I mean, you yeah. got that part, right? It was juicy. Right? Yeah. Juicy. It was juicy. It was <laughs> juicy. Oh, and by the way, JJ made it. She didn't go. She didn't go up north. Uh, hi, JJ. I know you're listening <laughs> eventually. You, I'm glad that uh, you got to have some holiday time off. Yes. Uh, wonderful, JJ. Uh, only to find out that her middle name actually has I, starts with J. Yeah. So, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, it, so we're just, you know, we could just call her Cookie. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, so then would her full name be Biscuit JJ Cookie? Uh, because first, sound. middle, and last name. No. No. <laughs> JJ Cookie Biscuit. Oh. Yeah, that sounds like a porn name. Oh, oh my gosh. A, she's got a new career. <laughs> she's got a new career. She, she's got an absolute new career. She's going to, uh, one on Monday through Wednesday, she'll use her middle name, which would be Cookie. And then on the weekend... She's going to have, she wants you to butter her bitch. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I know you're listening, JJ. <laughs> I really know you're listening. <laughs> I know you're laughing right now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Do you remember those 1-800 numbers that they used to have growing up? <laughs> oh, those commercials. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, no, was it not me. the 800? Was it the 900 it was numbers? The, it was something where it was the phone sex thing. It was like a dollar a minute or something. It was, I or don't I don't know. know. I don't know. Like we would know this as kids, right? I mean, yes. Well, I, what? Actually, did, I actually did call it. Wait, Monday. what? Seriously? I did. I did. I did. My parents, of course, disputed the charges, but oh I my did. Gosh. It was actually kind of, it, it was weird. <laughs> Because they're sitting there, they're talking to you, and they're sitting there, what are you wearing? <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, clothes? Kid you not. And then I was so young, and I was into this little conversation with this whoever <laughs> it was. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, I, I have this nice little Mickey Mouse shirt oh on. Oh, my goodness. And I could just imagine they're envisioning this fetish. Oh, my you gosh. Know? And I'm sitting there going, and... And then, they, and then just right out of the blue, she starts screaming, going, ah, oh, and I'm sitting there going, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I can't say that on the air. And I'm sitting there going, what was that? And she goes, do you feel it? And I'm sitting there going, no. <laughs> Am I supposed to? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I did. So, you know, I, gosh, I don't even know if those still exist, but could you imagine 
I mean, could could you just honestly imagine being a phone sex person and you're sitting on the couch watching TV and coming up with this stuff and making a ton of money? You know, it would be really interesting. It's just the person's on the phone. They have the TV on mute and they're talking. <laughs> and then their and kid then, walks in the room. Yeah, yeah. Hey, buddy, can I have some milk? <laughs> Here, I'll give you some. I mean, <laughs> please hold. <laughs> it's like, dang. Uh, anyway, and that's where you okay. Yes, I so could say something, but I won't. That's good writing. Yeah, so we're talking about writing. That's good writing. <laughs> well, you know, basically the <laughs> breastfeeding. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sorry, but it's, it's a big word for Willie. <laughs> JJ sitting there going, whoa. whoa. Really? <laughs> New Year, everybody. New Year. Yeah, so Absolutely. Yes. Well, basically, the prolific, pro, pro, what did you say? Prolific. Okay, whatever. Uh, those type of writers are writers, artists, and composer producing, composers producing a large number of, blah, number of works at one time. Composing a large number of works at one time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It is. It's it can be a tongue twister, by the way. I mean, you got to think about it. It, it. it is. So what do you think the best writing is? I think impromptu. Because think about it. Yes, some of the greatest stories are stories that are from from the heart. But then also, if you have impromptu writing, it's like, bam, right off the top of your head. Um, I think some of, like... Oh, gosh, what was his name? I can't remember right now. But basically, it was like those parody plays where they like put a whole bunch of plays in one play and then you just laughed at everything. I think that's good writing. I think best writing is when it's personal. Yeah, that too. I mean, kind of like journal writing in a sense, maybe. I don't know. But you know what? Growing up, the one thing I always thought is I'm sitting there going... You know, who the hell came up with the, the fiction and nonfiction thing? And it's like, yeah. I always believed that it should have been the other way around instead of the way it is. Mm-hmm. That the the fiction should have been, um, you know, the fiction should have been what nonfiction is. Oh, okay. Yeah. I yeah. understand what you mean. Yeah. True, com- uh, real compared to not real. Right. You know, and but it's the other way around. I- who makes up this stuff, it, right? Never, yeah, I never really understand that. You know, gosh, we are really losing our... We haven't legalized it yet here in Florida. Okay, for the record, we do not do any of that, so just... Oh, speak for yourself. Uh, no, seriously, on air, we do not do any of that. Thank you for our listening. <laughs> no, we just do it at a friend's house. That was a joke. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I, I um, um, don't know what he's up to, but yes. So. I am up to nothing because it's a new year and I could care less. That's right. Care less. That's right. Yes. And I know that sounds very up direct and forward and bold, but you know what? When we've gone through so much that we've gone through, you know, we just got to... You you have to do you, everybody. You got to do yourself. You know, yes, you can care. Oh, Willie and... does himself all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Real funny. Ha-ha. 
But no, but seriously. Anyway, so back seriously. to the topic because we we're we're doing everything except what's written down for us to talk about. Um, let's see. You know, we always talk about styles, and I've identified a lot of this before that I believe that um, you yourself and your your background. Uh, your culture, everything is your style, how you act, how you see yourself in the mirror, how you portray yourself, yes. how you believe you, you are is considered your style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are. And the reason I say that is because it's like putting on clothes. When you put on clothes, you expect yourself, you look at yourself in the mirror and you either like it or you don't like it or you just threw stuff on. And that's your style, your comfort in your comfort zone. So I always believe that instead of crediting a person for their background or where they came from or who they look like, I always like to say, you know what, that's just their style. Um, Because, you know what, in theory, like, for example, I will use myself. Uh, I am a southern country boy. If I choose to be a southern country boy, then that's my style. But I was born in a southern country boy environment which means that is my heritage that is my culture that is my background that is uh, my life that is actually my life however i don't live like that i live differently so the way i live my life is actually who i am my background is just a part of me but it's not all of me correct yes so that's my style so that's how i label the style in writing Usually, when you're a writer, you don't have to be a professional writer, but when you're a writer, generally people write from the heart, they write from the mind, they write from feelings, emotions, mm-hmm. thoughts, anything that comes to mind, they write it, they, they're they writing it down. Uh, anything from a grocery list, you can write down things from a grocery list and it, it comes from something because yeah. mm-hmm. you know that you've got to go get such and such and then you remember, oh, okay, I need to get this and I need to get that and and blah, blah, blah. So And you can make a story out of it. And you can make a story out of it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Which came comes to mind, gosh, what was that movie that we watched that was all about the grocery store? It was raunchy. Oh, it was that, well, man, I can't think of it right now, but I think it was... Didn't Seth Rogen have something to do yes. with it? I know what you're talking about. It was yeah. hot dogs making out with hot dog buns. Oh my gosh. It was like, really? Yeah, I oh my gosh. Really? That, it was a raunchy movie. <laughs> we don't know the title of oh it. Oh my gosh. I can't remember. It was, I'm sitting here. We watched it in the movie theater and we're sitting there going, really? Mm-hmm. What the okay. <laughs> This is, um, any, and, and it was and, an animated movie uh, at that. That it was. So, I mean, that it was. I, I can't even remember. But anyway, in, t- in addition to your conversation on styles, yes, I do agree with what you're saying. Um, But also, I think styles is not only expression of a person, but it also, it, like you said, it comes from your heart. But I think it's like stuff that you, it's like stuff you want to um, have on the outside. And like writing is like stuff that comes from the inside. So it's kind of like two different things at the same time. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's almost it can be a blend. I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now we're gonna move on to rekindling. Ooh, okay. That's a different word. Yes. Uh huh. Different word. It re- it it means revive. 
Love it. Yes. Another word for revive. Yes. Something you would try to bring back. What would you what would you try to bring back if you could? Okay, so in a fantasy mind of mine, living a happy childhood with no external problems, you bring you re, you rekindle that but in with more freedom, like in an adult version. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't think I would bring back anything that I've had in my life. I think it's content where it's at. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's content. Regret versus recreate. Now, I know you have a very... That is going uh, to... I, 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 I can't find it in my, my ways of living to regret anything. Because if I regret it, then that means I'm going to want to change anything after that. And if I go change the regret, then everything from that good and bad changes. Uh, recreating it, it's, it's, you know, regret is basically a disappointment in life. Recreating it is trying to relive it. And those are still two negatives because regret, you should learn from what you do in your life and the mistakes you make and the journey that you've gone on. And you should not recreate your past because you're going to be disappointed. That's wow. You're going to be disappointed. Wow. Because usually, and nothing's going to be the same. I, nothing will be the same identically. It is not going to identically be the same. Because over the course of the years, you change. Even the course of days, even the course of minutes, even the course of hours, <laughs> you change. So Just like as we're doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it. so, yeah. So the likelihood of it being exactly the same way that you remembered it is just not going to happen. So regret and versus recreate. Um, again, one is a disappointment. The other one's trying to relive it. And they're both negatives. Don't do it. You Don't know what? It, it sounds like a movie. Absolutely. Seriously, like this, I'm like, I see a script and it's just. So, yeah. you know, a lot of people ask, so why would you change or want to relive things? I think because certain, okay, so you take stories, right? And you have villains in them or whatever. And well, uh, there's been several movies that have come out over the recent years where they've tried to go into their backstory on why they became a villain or they were put out as a bad guy in a sense. And um, where was I going with this? Um, basically, maybe that's why they would want to change something. Because... Sometimes I think it's because you're lost. When a person's when a person is lost or... or they are bored at something or they just are not it's usually an unhappy change is something that make you're usually unhappy about something that makes you want to change something okay now what how is that different from be the change or you it's all about you and you're the one who well i mean when things i mean it's kind of like what's going on in the world instead of making the world change uh, because you're unhappy about something or because you are uncomfortable about something or or whatever the case may be, then what you should do is instead of making the world change, you should change you because educating yourself to educate others is the way it should be, not taking away. If you take away something, it's not going to get rid of it. It's not going to make it any different. 
And that's what I don't understand. We can we can have inclusion, we can have equality, we can have all this stuff and take statues down and re try to rewrite history, but you're not going to do that. It's not going to change it. Over the course of the years, life has changed. It is more adaptable than it was back then. Mm -hmm. It's more livable than it is back then. Now, granted, do, does the world still have some work to do? Absolutely. You're always going to have work to do. But if you be the change and help progress that work and educate on why these topics are important and why you need to really make a difference, that's going to better the world. Taking away or trying to rewrite the way it was is not, is not, because it's not going to make your life any easier. It's not going to make your life any better. It's just going to, it's going to be the same. It's just the problems are just going to be in a different format and in a different outcome. Okay. You know, if you have a, if you have a troubled employee that is constantly doing things wrong, if you don't go and train them or retrain them, then it's just they're just going to keep doing it wrong. But if you keep moving them around and you keep put them, putting them here, putting them there, putting them here and putting them there without training them properly, properly is the key word, then they're just going to keep making mistakes and they're just going to keep having problems. You have to you need to train them. You need have to educate them on how it how it is, because some people some people have a different way of understanding it. Mm hmm. Yes. And they mm -hmm. have a different way of learning it. And in fact, I always use this this story. JJ knows this story. Yes. <laughs> when I was a trainer at a uh, one of the uh, parks, um, they uh, an individual was trying. You have to take in training. You have to take a test in order to move on. And um, unfortunately, this older gentleman was he kept failing the test, kept failing the test. And the managers really just wanted to get rid of him. They just, they just kept, they just, they just gave up. So I volunteered to work with him on training him and trying to get him to understand the test. And he passed. And you know why he passed? It's because his learning was a lot slower than most people's. And sometimes he needed, he needed a jumpstart. He needed an explanation on questions that we were asking and so we had to take the extra time to train him with that. And he ended up being in that department for a very long time and being one of their better employees that they had. And that wasn't credited to me. I didn't make him a better employee. I just gave him a chance. He made himself a better employee. He did that on his own. I just stood there and said, okay, I'm just going to help you get over this mark and get to the next step. That's what I'm going to help you to. Basically somebody who believed in him and was oh, yeah, rooting absolutely. for him instead absolutely. of a person that's basically saying, well, they want them to fail. I mean, yeah, there's, absolutely. there's a difference there. Absolutely. And, you know, you have to want people to succeed yes. you can't just mm -hmm. you can't just say i want to be a trainer and all you want to do is just be the get the trainer mark and get the trainer because it's pay. not about it's, it's not about you yeah i always believe that which this is where i stood by is there are steps in growth and i believe that in order for you should be a trainer before you should be, become a coordinator or a lead or a team captain before you become, you need to, then you need to be that, then you, before you can become a supervisor, you have to work the steps because a knowledgeable person in the department and how it all works is a better 
employee and staff member and manager. They're going to lead better if they know how it works and have put themselves in each position. Yes. That's how it works. So anyway, so moving on. So family versus friends. Oh, wow. You know what? Let me put it to you this way. They're all human. There is no difference. One's just blood related. One's not. One's more of an asshole than the other one. <laughs> one stays around and you, you you can get rid of the other one. You can get rid of both of them, but it, one's more complicated to get rid of than yeah. the other one. <laughs> I mean, one's like a cockroach and one's like a oh. you know mosquito. You can slap <laughs> the mosquito and kill it, but the cockroach, no, you have to keep you have to keep slapping out until it pops. You know, yeah, but <laughs> a good then, mental then. image, right? I was going to use a different example, but we'll go with that. <laughs> well, and some of them you just can't slap or you shouldn't, but you know, well, you, you want know, to. <laughs> there is no, you know what? It's mind over matter. And I said yes. this before, you know what? It's your life, dude. You, you're the one that, you're the one that puts on your underwear. Nobody else puts it on for you. You're the one that's got to go out and do this stuff. Nobody else. You make the decisions as hard as they're going to be. Make the decisions on your own. That's the way it goes. If you believe you're going to be successful and you wake up every day saying you're going to be successful, you're going to be successful. Nothing's going to get in your way. That's the way it, that's the way it is. But you have to know that. You have to know that you're going to be successful. You really do. You have to know that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so moving on, we are actually, I mentioned a little bit about a Christmas movie. Our guest today had cre- has created an amazing Christmas movie. It's called Rekindling Christmas, and uh, it's an Emmy-nominated show. It's about a perfect couple in college. It was written by USA Today's best-selling author, Rebecca Ganier, and it stars Ashley Atwood, Ronnie Rod. Randy Rodriguez and Tommy Hobson. And Rebecca Ganier is actually on our show today. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. She has. Re- get my notes really quick. <laughs> really quick because I have everything from what they sent me about Rebecca. But um, the anyway, the movie is a romance movie. It talks about relationships, mistakes, miscommunications, pain of loss, assumptions, perceptions, and what really matters in life. The family you should choose and creating a life worth living. Yes. It's actually very good. We've actually, when we get to interview people, we get to see their materials first. And it's wonderful. It is actually a wonderful, wonderful production. But anyway... Um, we are going to talk to James and Rebecca Ganier. James, they're married, actually. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. yes. Uh, anyway, uh, James is a director, producer, executive producer, and casting director. He is an Emmy-nominated producer. Uh, let's see. He's alumni of the U.S. School of Cinema, and he's also a TEDx speaker. We love TEDx speakers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what's really interesting is that they, because they're married and they're both in the industry, they work like the different styles of working, but they come together to make a product. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because basically, oh, they, do. He, yes. I mean, they have great chemistry. That's well, what Rebecca I was looking for. Rebecca is chemistry. a US Today yes. top best selling author. And she reads at least she reads she writes at least five books a year. That's a talent. That is an extraordinary talent. So we are excited to have James and Rebecca Ganier on our show. So sit back, 
relax. James and Rebecca Ganier are coming up. Hi, I'm Cammy, and I want to tell you about one of the most amazing places in the world, Give Kids the World Village. It's a magical place where kids with critical illnesses come from all over the world for one amazing week. They get to visit Central Florida's coolest theme parks, celebrate at nightly parties, and enjoy delicious meals. And it doesn't cost them a thing. To learn more about how this magical place works and how you can help, visit GiveKidsTheWorld.org. Chris and Will introducing you to an amazing getaway. For the first time, we both treated ourselves to a day of pampering. If you're in the Tampa, Florida area, then please make sure to treat your own self to a day like we did at Spa Nirvana, a sanctuary for face and body, a spa day for men and women. The staff is so friendly, the place is clean, looks amazing, and the best of it, they're following the safety guidelines during these current times. Truly a professional environment. The cost isn't bad neither. Make your appointment today. Imagine a day where you can get the most incredible stress-free relaxing massage, body work, facial rejuvenation, and microdermabrasion. They have so much more to offer, including their signature facial services, including an aluminum oxide-free crystal microdermabrasion facial, the lifting facial of mature skin, and the most comprehensive, purifying, deep cleansing facial. Plus, you just can't beat the environment of soothing music healthy snacks and drinks, and you just have to see it for yourself. Guys, it's totally worth it. This is a weekly thing for us now, and I can't wait to go again. This is a Chris Will Highly recommendation. SpaNirvana.com is the website. You can go to ChrisandWill.com for the link as well. Spa Nirvana, 811 Court Street, Clearwater, Florida, 33756. Call 727-447-7546 to make your appointment today. Services are by appointment only and they are filling up fast. So treat yourself, your inner self, to a vacation day at Spa Nirvana. I miss cooking and I definitely miss feeding you. I'm Chef Wife Beck and I'm gonna change all of that. I am offering in-home cooking classes. That's right, we are cooking via Zoom. From coast to coast, north to south, east to west, we are reuniting families, loved ones, Kids, couples, you name it, we're cooking about it. Any cuisine, any time of the day, you just let me know. Let's get in our kitchen, let's cook together, and let's love on each other. It's a great way to stay connected while socially distancing. I can't wait to cook with you and your family. Go to theblythebeck.com for details. We are honored to welcome James and Rebecca Ganier. We're good. I'm fabulous. Nice. That's always good to hear. Yes. um, Thank you so much for both being on the show, one, at the same time. Yes. We managed to figure that out. Um, And (laughs) we're so happy. You guys, I mean, geez, you you guys always got stuff going on. Do you ever have downtime? Uh, Yeah, we usually will go to the movies once a month and we'll, uh, we'll binge watch like three movies in a day with a ton of popcorn and candy and all that other stuff. With the kids. As a whole family. Oh, nice. Yes. So nice. So we we saw a tidbit of the rekindling Christmas that you guys are doing. So I have to ask, is it difficult for you guys to all three work together in one project? Because I know you all got different creative um, directions. Yeah. Yeah. 
it, you know, it was a lot of fun to be able to do it. I think we worked really well together. Um, it was the first thing we've all gotten to work together on. And so it was really great. Everything was pretty cohesive. I think for me, the only tough part is when I'm production designer, producer, and mom of talent, uh-huh. um, sometimes I can get a little busy on set because production needs me to look at something, but as a producer, I need to go do something else. And then my son's like, hey, I'm hungry. You know, uh-huh. so <laughs> you kind of, you got to juggle all that stuff at the same time. So um, that's the only difficult thing, I think. But even that, we were able to, because we had such a great crew and right. so much help. We were, you know, able to, I was able to juggle that stuff even pretty easily. Well, you know. But at the same time, if you have nothing to do on set for oh, like wow. a few hours, you go insane. Wow. Like, yeah, <laughs> I bet, I bet. Like, so I, I think the, the, the tough part is not necessarily working together, but having the opportunity to work together, that's the tough part. Because that doesn't come along very often where no, we're all able to work together. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny you say that because a lot of uh, a lot of guests that we've interviewed and they've had their either their daughter on set or their mother was part of it. And it's interesting because they, they say the same thing, that it's an experience and a once in a lifetime deal that you treasure. And so I, I agree. It's like it's funny because we interviewed Dee Wallace, yes. and then we interviewed uh, her daughter Gabrielle, and Gabrielle was directing a project that Dee was starring in, the same project. So I'm like, <laughs> so I go, so how was it to turn the tables on your mom and actually have to tell your mom what to do and tell you, and instead of your mom telling you what to do? So it was a unique <laughs> experience. That's funny. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's really a blessing to be able to work all together and, and spend that and share that experience together yes. because you, you know, otherwise you have to, you come back from set and, and you try and explain like all these great things and share them with your family that you had, you know, but to be able to share in the experience while they're happening. Oh my gosh. That's, yes. that's the best. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I agree. It's priceless. I, agree. I mean, and having that moment to not only connect with one another in a whole different way, but as Rebecca was saying, um, that's a talent, juggling all that stuff at once. I mean, you should give yourself definitely credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've never, we've never been ones to shy away from wearing multiple hats. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I have a lot of friends that like they're like, oh wow, great job on your directorial debut and getting an Emmy nomination. Uh-huh. And then they realized that I also was the executive in charge and main producer of the film. And they're like, wait, you did both? And it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, but that way we get to make sure that the vision that we have really ends up on the screen yes and it ends up being something super special i agree oh yeah and you Mm -hmm. and it gives you control so which is it's which is a big thing in this business because somebody else doesn't necessarily have as much control when you're doing it all compared to the other way around when somebody else wants to take their own vision and kind of destroys your own so that's a good thing to have is control yeah 
Yeah, and then we're also able to create a family environment on set uh-huh. where everybody in the cast and crew, when it's all done, like everybody's actually really bummed on, on the last, the day before the last day, it hits everybody that it's coming to an end. And then the last day, everybody's like kind of bummed because they know that at the end of the day, we're all going separate directions. But the cool thing is, is everybody ends up staying in contact yeah. and becomes uh-huh. this really great extended family and these strong bonds. And, and that's not typical on a film set. Oh, no. And that's awesome because I'm telling you, um, went years, I mean, gosh, years, years ago, <laughs> I worked with uh, Adam Sandler and Adam kind of creates the same environment on his set. It's it's like we're all a big family. And even from the uh, he treats the extras and, and you know, the lower in talent uh, the same. I wouldn't say lower in talent, but you know what I mean? Um, you know, he treats everybody the same. And it's so fun to the point to when you're done, you're like, please tell me that we're, we're you're going to call me back next week for another one because I can't get away from how great this production is. So <laughs> that's awesome. And it's not common. You're right. It is not common in this business. Yeah. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So, so Rebecca, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You, you actually, is it purposely that you write five or six novels a year? Or is it just happened? <laughs> um, purposely, yes. My brain would probably explode if I didn't because right now I have over 200 novel ideas that haven't been written yet. Wow. So, and I'm just always coming up with more. So I have to constantly be working on one of them or my brain's like, look, who are you going to give these to in your will? Because somebody has to write them if you don't write them before you're dead. That's you only true. have so much time left. So, um, yeah, I always, I always try and, um, get as much done as possible. I just do writing is the thing I do for me. I don't go out and get my nails done. I, Uh you know, don't get massages. I don't go out with friends. Writing is my therapy. It's my escape. It's, It's what's fun for me doing that and the research and everything like that. Right, right. Amazing. Now, how do you guys, I guess, individually and maybe together, how do you guys come up with the creative concepts? And is there a personal as- aspect in it? Um, I usually come up with the concept, and I usually do most of the writing. Um, and then I'll ask James for suggestions if, if I'm stuck or if, you know, what he thinks about certain things. Um, and... I just, you know, it's just something I do. We've tried to write together before. I'm a little too controlling (laughs) (laughs) to write with him. Um, I I know how I want things, and that's kind of how I want them. And and so, unfortunately for him, he's tried to write with me several times, and I just kind of, I'm like, no, no, no. I just, I can't. I can't do it. (laughs) Wow. It's like you normally can't... when we get changes or have changes, I'll bring them to her after things are done. And, and so sometimes I'll like suggest some things and she'll warm up to them. And then other things will be on set and I'll say, Hey, listen, we can't shoot this the way that this is. I would like to shoot it this way. And, and here's why and the advantages of doing that. And she was like, okay, give me five minutes. And we'll go set up another shot, and then she'll come back, and she'll have the rewrite already done. Wow. And, and then we'll go ahead and we'll shoot it out that way. So 
you know, because typically on a film, they don't let writers on set uh-huh. on there. Rarely do they do. Whereas in television, the the writers are actually um, the producers and the ones in control of everything. So it's it's right. it, it's really interesting in the industry on on where the writers are and how they treat them. But we've always been a partnership. Um, you know, we're kind of our ride or die partners, you know? So, uh, yeah. Right. That's great. So, you know, we just work together and we know how each other works and, you know, how to mesh and dovetail in perfectly. So, <laughs> yes. So, yeah. okay. So here we get this question all the time. So I'm now that we have met a couple that mm-hmm. is in the same position, I would like to hear your response on this. <laughs> so we get asked this all the time. How do you guys manage to work together and have a great relationship, come home together, have a great relationship, and still be married and still have a partnership? How does that work? So I'd like to hear your response <laughs> in saying, you know, you guys are around each other practically 24-7. Yep. Do you ever get tired of one another? Well, first off, you 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 should marry your best friend to start off with. Yes. yes. Because cuz that's the person you want to be with all the time. You want to share everything with and that naturally should be your spouse. You know, and so right. that's like I I have friends, but I'm not like, "Oh, I got to go hang out with the guys and I got to go do this and that." No, it's like I I, I want to spend time with Rebecca. Like, uh-huh. wow. <laughs> it's like, what do you want to do? Let, where, where are we going to go? What are we going to do together? How can I help you? You know, and so we're constantly looking out for each other and, and figuring out how to help each other. So because we're best friends, you know, that's not really, I guess, an issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, we agree on the same thing. Yeah. I, we're not. I mean, obviously we're not perfect and yes, we get on each other's nerves and yes, of course. We have yeah. to take time out. What? You know, cause it, it happens, you know, but like one thing that I noticed recently that I finally, after months and months had to fess up to James, I just said, honey, something's going on right now with my writing where I can't write when you're in the room because I just, uh-huh. I'm focused on him and what he's doing yeah. and mm-hmm. I can't get that creative process going. And we've never really had that problem before, but I think the pandemic, yes. not only cause we homeschool our kids. So we are used to uh-huh. being home, but since the pandemic has like forced us to be home, like 24 exactly. seven, you can't go anywhere. I, I finally had to fess up and say, I, I can't write when you're sitting next to me for some reason right now. <laughs> and so, he'll go downstairs to his office and you know, sometimes it's not a problem, but sometimes it kind of is. And I don't know why I'm not sure what's going on, but it's not that I don't want him here. Yes. It's that my brain is so focused on, Oh, what's he doing? What does he need? Exactly. And my yep. brain is so distracted at the moment. Yeah. Um, but after being together for 23 years, I mean, we pretty much, we know how to push each other's buttons pretty good, but we also know what, you know, the other person needs. And so it really is, it's, you know, and for me, I know that there is no one out there that is going to make my books and scripts into a movie the way I want it done and the way I envision it other than my husband, because he envisions it the same way I do. 
Wow. That's great. And yes. so for me as an artist, there is no one I would trust more to get a piece of my writing done and on screen in a way that I would be proud and know that I didn't have to like stand behind him every second of every shot and be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Um, James is the only one. I mean, not to say other people couldn't do it. I know they could and they do an amazing job, but with him, because we have the kind of relationship uh, where we have been together so long and I do bounce ideas off him and we do discuss things. It's not like I give him a script and he goes, okay, thank you. And walks away, you know, we talk about things. (laughs) It's so collaborative um, that I feel safe with him with with my work yeah and and there's also you know like she when she writes she watches true crime like tv uh-huh. like non-stop and for me with add that is like so distracting so sometimes i'll just have to get up and sleep the room so that i can get work done but yeah. the thing is, is we we know we know each other well enough and the communication is so important. I mean, I can't emphasize that enough. We've talked with our kids about it so much and make sh- you know, to make sure that they understand how to communicate effectively. Yeah. Wow. Be- because effective communication solves so many problems way before they're even problems yeah. and creates really strong teams. Um, and I can't emphasize that enough. You know, I, I think anybody can benefit from, you know, learning how to communicate a little better than what they already are. Right. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I agree. That's the one thing that we've had to do. Well, the biggest thing we've had to learn, um, and I think COVID helped, was that we had to put a barrier between us and other people mm-hmm. because we found that other people became our distraction yep. and almost our separation mm-hmm. to the point to where we almost would stop communicating that way because then we'd be communicating their way mm-hmm. and then we wouldn't understand each other. And so that right. that's ac- absolutely, that's absolutely right. So yeah. I agree. Cause like you would, there's so many people and you're like, okay, well, how do I communicate with that other person? And then you're, I was so busy doing all of that, that one thing I neglected was, well, the most important person I need to communicate with is Chris. So, yeah. And I I think that as an artist, and I, I, I don't know if you would agree, but your goal is always just to be happy and make people happy. Yes. And so you want to make the people around you and the close to you happy as well. And it's sometimes difficult. So. Um, you know, so yeah, but let me tell you, I, well, let me ask you this one. How, how did you come up with this Christmas film and the casting? I love the cast. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love the cast, especially, um, what's her name? What's her name? I can't, can't think of her name. She was on, um, Paul Blart. Um, oh, Rainy oh, Rodriguez. Yes. yes. Oh, she's a sweetheart. Love Rainy. Oh, I do too. <laughs> she is so, when I saw that, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a must see. I have to go watch her. I, I She's so adorable and so funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, a future comedian right there. Right there. Perfect. So yeah, tell- we ran into Rainy and Rico years and years ago. Um, we were, we were on the red carpet together and, you know, just chatted and that, and then, you know, kept in touch at different events over the years and stuff. 
and it was the the part was actually written specifically for Rainey. Wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That he he was awesome. so perfect for that. So we were thrilled when when uh, you know she was she read the script, was super excited about it, and and came on board. You know, um, but Rebecca could tell you kind of the origin of the story. Yes, um, I, I love it. I watched, I don't know, a hundred, hundred and fifty Christmas movies once <laughs> December. Um, Hallmark that was Channel. a lot of Christmas movies. <laughs> Hallmark yeah, my Channel. Kids, <laughs> yeah, my kids were laughing at me, but then I would find them coming in and sitting down for one or two and being like, oh, are you watching another one of those cheesy Christmas movies? I want to watch it with you. Oh, and I was like, so yeah, yeah, I'm like, you know, I just had a million of them that I had recorded on my TV. And so I just uh-huh. was watching, watching. And I thought, you know, this might be fun to to write because I usually write paranormal and urban fantasy yeah. and vampires and werewolves and dragons and zombies. And I thought this might be something fun to do, just a straightforward contemporary romance um, based around Christmas. Uh-huh. And so I kind of thought about it. I knew I didn't want it to be a terribly long book. Um, so I thought, well, you know, I like for my romances, the characters to really build a relationship before they commit. And um, so I thought, well, second chance romances are a lot of fun. I was really enjoying those. The ones where they used to be together and then they broke up for some reason, but they've always right. kind of loved each other and they came back together. Uh-huh. And so that was kind of the basic idea as um, this romance, Rekindling Christmas, that I came up with. And I wrote it, and I was actually really happy with it. And I gave it to my readers. It was totally different than anything I'd written. And they all just kept saying, oh, my gosh, I love this. It's it's such a great holiday uh-huh. romance story and it's not cheesy and it has real conflict and the characters like have real problems and yes um they were like oh you should make it into a movie and i was like of course that's you know you guys say that about everything <laughs> but, they, but they were like no this would be great so i turned it into a script and we kind of went from there wow yeah and the, and the cool thing about it too is it you know it, it once again it it's about communication and there's misperceptions and miscommunication. And, and so there's all these issues that couples deal with, whether right. it's your first time around or whether it's second chance or whatever, but there, there's so much in there that we dig into that you normally wouldn't have in a typical Christmas movie. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Now, did you find this to be challenging? from what you normally do? No, I actually found it a little bit easier because usually with the other stuff that I write, there's always a lot of side characters and they have a subplot and then there's an intrigue and somebody dies and you're trying to figure out who did it. And, you know, there's just so much going on with so many other characters and so many other storylines and then an overarching um, plot that goes across the entire series. And this was just a standalone, simple, they're going to start out not together and they're going to end up together. And then how does that work through, you know, the entire book? So it's actually a lot easier to write, which made it a lot easier to turn into a screenplay because there wasn't 
anything major I needed to cut out. Right. So do you so do you guys find yourself doing another Christmas movie or maybe even a part two to what you have? So I have about fifteen other Christmas movies. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um I have one that's already written that we've been working on uh producing called Christmas at Heart Lodge. Uh-huh. Um the, I'm writing a book from that one that one should come out this christmas and then we have other ones that are close christmas music uh we have a family for christmas which is another christmas movie that one's a screenplay that i wrote actually um while we were filming rekindling christmas i was talking to one of our actors tommy hobson who i absolutely adore uh-huh. um tommy's amazing he just um landed a role on a new as the dad on a new nickelodeon tv show Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we're super proud of him. But we've worked with Tommy on a few projects before. And I said, you know, Tommy, it would be great if you had, you know, a holiday Christmas romance of your own. And he was like, absolutely. They're my favorite. I love them. (laughs) And so I said, well, what if I wrote you one? And he was like, really? So while we were filming Rekindling Christmas, I came up with an idea. I plotted the entire thing out. I handed it to him. And I said, what do you think? Because she wasn't being on set, she had to plot out a whole new movie. <laughs> and, and I had it, so I said, what do you think? And she said, I love it. I love it. Write it. And so I did. I wrote it. Um, so that's another one that we have that um, we're working on. I think my question was a understatement at this point. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is that is fantastic. So how do you guys come up with your casting when you have these projects? Well, for this one, um, TJ is our son, Christian, who's an actor. That was really hard to cast. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that role was uh that role was written for him. So that one was <laughs> Not that difficult. Um, And then Ashley Atwood, who plays his mom, Annika, had seen the script, and she is one of the producers, and she wanted to do it, um, and she got the ball rolling on it. So we had that. And then I knew I wanted Rainy, and so we reached out um, to her people and got her the script. And then from there, I knew I wanted Tommy in it because I absolutely love Tommy. And I thought he was amazing. He would be an amazing Alistair. Uh-huh. So we got. I- now it's funny because his his agent didn't quite get it at first. And Tommy had to explain it to him. Oh, my like, gosh. Listen, this is the, what who the character is. It's a great character. And, and that he's like, I want to play it. And then. And phenomenal in it. Oh, my gosh. We yeah. couldn't have found anybody to play Alistair better. You can't help but smile when, when he comes on the screen. He's just so amazing. Yes. We had trouble. Jesse and I think Lizzie were our two hardest. Yeah. Uh, we looked for them for a very long time. When we found Michael, I was like, this is it. This is the guy. And uh-huh. then Stella, who plays Lizzie, we were just a couple of days before filming. I mean, we were packing up to go to Texas and we still hadn't found anyone when um, somebody James knew out of Louisiana said, Hey, why don't you look at this little girl? Um, because the role had originally been written for my daughter, Angelina, who no longer acts. Uh-huh. Um, so she said, mom, I love it, but I, I don't really want to do it. 
Um, plus Angel's 16 this year, so she had aged out a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, and we had been going back and forth between a couple of girls when we finally saw Lizzie, and it was like, okay, this is it. This is this is who wow. it has to be. I mean, I was I was scouring the U.S. and I was calling up anybody I could find, like acting schools and stuff like that, and any relationship that I had. Yeah, looking for the right Lizzie because it was such a crucial part. I mean, I and I and I say that, but each of the the roles that we had were crucial parts. There was it was a smaller cast, and so every single character was absolutely essential and crucial to the film working. Mm-hmm, and right. so we yeah. had to find the absolute correct person for that. And as soon as we saw the the tape of, of Stella Grubb, we knew she was Lizzie, and that was that. And everybody got off my back, you know, as being the director and not having chosen somebody, and we're shooting in like three days. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then you you know you also had to you needed to find a cast that like for us mm-hmm. when you see them by face you don't know them necessarily by name and you're like oh my gosh I saw her and that's in this mm-hmm. and you know or I saw him in that and that so that promotes your film even better because you're like oh I gotta go see this just just because you know this person by face maybe not by name so it it gives good casting as well. And then when they bring out these characters, these different people that they're portraying in this film, you're like, wow, that's a little different than what she did before. I like mm-hmm. that. I like that. It's a very standout-ish. I mean, yeah. it makes you remember the characters. Yeah. So, so what would you say the best time you had on set was? There's got to be an ultimate story that you guys have. That you can that you can share that was so funny or so spectacular that you'll remember forever. Um. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but the, the last night, the last shoot was the last shoot day was crazy. That was so we so the last one we needed enough dark time to shoot the. Christmas tree ceremony, uh-huh. which oh, yeah. which meant you couldn't just you know have a few hours of shoot in the dark. It meant we didn't start until after it was dark, and then we were ending at like five a.m. before the sun comes up. Wow! So, which normally you know you can do night shoots it's a little harder on the crew it's why you you know try and keep it at the very end of the shoot but the issue is is we also had to have a bunch of extras hanging out all night and they are not used to shooting through the night Uh and it being freezing cold and then we also had you know kids and so we had to you know try and shoot their stuff out as fast as we could um it's amazing though, like <laughs> with some of the kids, like Stella, like we, we shot her, we finished wrapping her and she like, wouldn't go home. She's like, I want, I want to stay and watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She was learning a ton about filmmaking and because this was the second project she'd ever done. And we'd never seen anything else that she had done because nothing was actually done. She had no real nothing. Uh-huh. So she was undiscovered when, when we found her. Um, 
And then on the opposite side, though, we, yes, on the opposite Christian. side, we had Christian who the day before had said he wasn't feeling real great. And we were like, okay. And then the last day of the shoot, he's, I couldn't wake him up. And I'm like, buddy, what's going on? And he's like, mom, I'm so hot. Wow. And I immediately felt his forehead and went, oh, no. And he is such a trooper. I can't even tell you. He's the ultimate professional. Oh, my gosh. And that was at age 11. Wow. So he, he um, had a fever. And he was not feeling well. So we had to build a little makeshift tent and pile it full of blankets. And we would wrap him up in there. And he would lay down on my lap. And then they would set up the shot. And he would come out. And he would do it. And then immediately when they called cut, he would go back in. And I would wrap him up. And he would just lay in my lap. And we did that for probably two or three hours. And finally, on the last take, he I saw tears in his eyes. He wasn't ready to give up, but he just was, he was right. spent. And I said, that's it. We're done. This is your last shot. You got to get what you got to get. And that's, it's actually some of the most beautiful work that he did in the entire film. You would never know. He, wow. he looked happy and energetic. Oh my because gosh. It's just him. But I mean, at that last shot, I was like, all right, that's it. You guys can keep filming for the rest of the night, but I'm taking my kid and going back to the hotel. And I wrapped him in a blanket and took him to the hotel and put him in bed. And, and no one wow. would believe that him beaming on, in the film for the Christmas tree lighting ceremony and at, and at the hot chocolate truck, no one would ever believe that he had a huge fever, was sick as a dog, and that. But for him. Like he he doesn't know quit. He has no idea yeah. what that is. When it, when it comes to acting, like for him, he puts it all on the line. Yep. Wow, that's great. Gets, yeah, yeah. That's really upset if um. If you tell him no. If, if, well, <laughs> no, he, he gets really upset if he can't perform. We, he was on set of a show that we can't mention quite yet, and right. uh, it was one of his last days working and he ate something that did not agree with him. And, and, you know, they have the mask, they had to wear masks on set and they were doing all the rehearsals and stuff. And he threw up in his mask and wouldn't tell anybody because he wanted to do the scene. And then right after they came and grabbed me and they're like, he's throwing up. And I was like, what? And we realized it was something he'd eaten. The the star um, had eaten something bad too and ended up having to go home as well the same day. But Wow. He was really bummed. He's like, let me just lay down in my trailer. You know, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. And <laughs> and after that, they were just like, no, we can't take the chance. And he was like, mom, I could have done it. And I'm like, buddy, you could have, but like, I get it. They don't want anybody else getting sick. They don't know where it came from, but he wow. was really bummed. And ever since, he's real careful as to what he'll eat yeah. at craft services and what he'll eat, you know, when, when they go ahead and serve meals. He's like, oh, I don't know about that one over there. That doesn't look safe enough. Uh-huh. <laughs> Shoot. I agree with him. I don't. I don't, didn't have to throw up, but sometimes when I can look at the, the meals, at the catering that they provide, it's like, oh, no, I can't. I can't. I know I'm gonna throw that up. <laughs> no. Nope, up can't. until then, he was like crazy adventurous. He'd be like, yeah. "Oh, I'll I'll take the octopus." I was like, "Really?" Oh, wow. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll take the octopus." I was like, "Okay," but oh. after this, it's like he, he's no more adventurous on set 
At yeah. home, yeah. fine. Yeah. But on set, he's like, no, man, this this might get in the way of me doing my job. Yep, yep. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. that's talent right there. Yeah. That's talent. That's good. That's so awesome. Yes, that is so awesome. So I also read that Rebecca, you signed on to a new project um, to direct and produce. I am I correct? Are you able to talk about that yet, or give us a little hint of what it's about? Um, no. <laughs> uh, all I can say is that um, yes, I have, and I'm super super excited about it. It's going to be amazing and it's in the vein of what i usually write um uh-huh. paranormal vampires werewolves zombies stuff like that so yeah. i'm really really super excited about it um and then i have another one i've just been contracted to write a screenplay a life story of someone who i have admired for a very long time and think is absolutely one of the most amazing human beings on earth. And I'm not allowed to talk about that one quite yet either, but um, I'm uh-huh. super excited about that as well. Yay. That's yes. so cool. So, so I have to ask, um, are you a fan of steampunk at all? I know you got what? to be. I know you got to be. I know you oh have to be. Oh my I know, I know, but you know, you never know. So let me ask you this one. Cause I love steampunk. I, my ultimate, career goal is to perform in steampunk something that is steampunk i just love it i love the wardrobe of it i love everything about it um and i just wish they had more projects about it so let me ask you this do you think there is enough of that kind of genre out in the film industry and um what would you do to make more of it okay first no there can never be enough steampunk in the world. Um, <laughs> I've actually started, um, we moved about a year and a half ago. And um, when we moved, we had gotten rid of a whole bunch of furniture and stuff like that. Um, and so I started rebuying. And so everything I have is now steampunk slash industrial Love um, it. type stuff. And so... Lots of leather, lots of metal, lots of wood, and oh. I, just Edison bulbs. And I just, I absolutely love steampunk. The first time I did steampunk, nobody knew what it was. Uh-huh. Um, I was a steampunk vampire hunter, oh. and nobody knew what it was. And then I think about six years ago at Comic Con, uh, I because we do cosplay, uh-huh. I dressed yes. my kids and I up as steampunk alice in wonderland wow and so i was the queen of hearts and then my daughter was cheshire cat my other daughter was the mad hatter angelina our youngest daughter was alice and then our son was the white rabbit and people just went crazy they just thought it was the most amazing thing and so steampunk is a huge thing um romantic times had is one of the was one of the biggest book conventions i would do a steampunk tea party every year there oh yeah wow. um which was always super popular so steampunk is my love and i have one of my books um dracula's bride is set it's in my immoral monster series is set in victorian london and there's some steampunk stuff in that um and so I would put more of that in there if we um, were turning that into a, a into a movie because I just love steampunk. And then the Immortal Monsters series has 
um, Frankenstein and Wolfman and, you know, Phantom of the Opera and all those, they would all be very much in the steampunk style because I absolutely just adore oh. every part of it. I have a steampunk pirate series um, that I had released the prequel to with a whole bunch of other friends who did a steampunk thing a few years ago. And then when yeah. the anthology was over, I, I pulled it down. Um, but to answer your question, yes, <laughs> steampunk punk should be everywhere. Yes. And I think it should just take over the earth. <laughs> so to further answer your question, I feel that the majority of stuff that was done steampunk so far wasn't really steampunk. Yeah, yes. it wasn't really great. It's 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 like uh, folks doing steampunk that don't know anything about steampunk. Yes, that's yes. that's what it, all of them feel like when you watch them. And so, is there an audience for it? Yes, if it's done right. I think absolutely the stuff that's been done so far hasn't even found the proper genre to, to be in. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. I really loved that. That's um, one of our favorites. I, I thought they did a really good job with that. And then um, Mortal Engines, I thought, was really well uh-huh. done as well. The aesthetic on Mortal Engines. Yeah. yeah. Um, those two movies, I thought, were really well done. I think Carnival Row did a, an okay job at it. Uh-huh. Um getting the gritty and grungy feel of steampunk without it being steampunk. Um, I think those are, those are the ones that I've really liked so far that I've thought really, right. the TV show Dracula kind of touched on it a little bit, but not, um, yeah, not much. And they only made it one season. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think I, those are the ones I liked the most. Yeah, I, I just, you don't see enough on it, but during Halloween, it's almost everywhere. And there's so many costumes of it. And I'm like, gosh, somebody needs to, we, we need to put something out there to make it this ultimate fan-based movie yes. or something of the, of the sort. But so this is, this is kind of how I would, I would compare it. Growing up in the 80s and 90s, uh-huh. we had superhero movies. Yes, yes we did. Mm-hmm. And those superhero movies were okay. Uh-huh. I, I watched all of them because I absolutely love comic books and all that. But the but we all knew that they weren't that great. Right. But right. it was but it was the best that they, that they that Hollywood was going to do for us. We knew that. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Now we have Marvel that is delivering what we knew could have been done back in the eighties and nineties, but knew nobody would do, but hoped one day we would get there and we've now arrived. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, Mm -hmm. it does. So that is kind of how I feel about steampunk. Yeah, that's true. That's true. One day we'll arrive where we know we can be and it will then garner the audience that we know it can have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once once enough love and attention and financial is actually put into it. Right. That's mm-hmm. true. You know, when you you talk about the eighties, I have to ask, I think it was eighties. It was either eighties or nineties. I have to ask, do you remember the old movie 
Monster Squad. Oh my goodness, yes. 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 <laughs> it is on Peacock, and we saw it the other day, and I'm like, we have to watch this, we have to watch this. I have to, well, we have done watched it back in, we have watched it <laughs> over and over. It's, we watched it, and then it ended, and we're like, oh, let's watch it again. So we watched it over and over, I think, for quite a few, yes. half of the day with nothing but Monster Squad. <laughs> To the, po- <laughs> to the point to where we were pretty much saying the script as it was going. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I watched that, I think, about a year ago. I did the exact same thing. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, I haven't seen that in forever. And then I watched it and was like, wow, that was kind of interesting. And then I started watching old, other old 80s uh-huh. movies, yes. like um, Saturday the 14th. Uh-huh. Do you remember yeah, that movie? I do. I do. Instead of Friday the 13th, it's Saturday the 14th. And I had my kids watch it with me. And my kids were like, Mom, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. And I was like, but when I was a kid, it terrified me. And they're like, how? How could this possibly terrify you? Like, this is so bad. That's so funny. And well, then the know- other one I watched, unfortunately, um, I watched um, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Uh-huh. Which is great. I like. I loved it, but I watched it with my daughter, and I forgot about the scene at the very end and a uh-huh. couple other scenes. And I was like, "Okay, you need to leave now. Like, this is so not appropriate That's for you to be watching right funny. now." Like, it was really funny. Or what about something wicked this way comes? I was oh, terrified I of that oh, as a kid, and then watched it as an adult recently, and I was like, "Huh." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, it's it's funny. I I got uh, I th- I I won't say reamed whatever, but uh, a friend of ours, a really close friend of ours, uh, Catherine Mary Stewart. Yes. She yes. she was so we were going through her list of films when mm-hmm. we were talking to her one day, and she brought up Night of the Comet, and yep. I'm like, what? And she goes, you don't you've never watched that movie? I go, I don't remember if I have or not. And we watched it and we're like, this is really cheesy, but it was a great movie back uh-huh. in the eighties. Do you remember Night of the Night of the Comet? Oh, very much so. I love that film yes. when it came out. I am such a fan of it now. So every time I talk to her, I can't stop bringing it up and say, gosh, you know, COVID was just totally Night of the Comet. Mm-hmm. Totally Night of the Comet. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, I'll have to look at that one. I haven't seen that one. I did love her in The Last Starfighter, though. I yes. did, too. Yes. Oh, I did, too. Yes. and, and I loved that movie. Yes. And, and also we, yeah, Weekend, Weekend at Bernie's. Bernie's. She was in that, yeah. too. Yeah. Yes. Oh yes. my gosh, that was a great movie. Oh, Weekend it was. Bernie. Yes, we love Catherine. we love Catherine. She's so talented. She's so good at what she does, and she looks she looks phenomenal. Yeah, almost it's like she never ages. And I'm like, do you ever age? Right. And, she, and she's just she's just amazing. But but yeah, a little bit of throwback there. So <laughs> so what do you guys got going on in uh, other than this great picture that we've been talking about? You have any upcoming stuff that uh, we should know about? that you can actually talk about real quick um why don't you tell them about no more goodbyes yeah so so we've got a uh, another film we also shot last year um in july in the in the middle of uh covid, COVID. yeah <laughs> we, we ended up being one of the first uh few um productions to actually finish during covid with the the new roles and safeway moving forward and that uh, so No More Goodbyes is about uh, two interracial foster brothers who their foster mother passes away and they go on the run to keep from being split up by the system. Wow. And it's it's about foster care and PTSD and autism and 
redemption and family and what makes a family and is it is it the people that you share DNA with or is it really the group of people that are willing to sacrifice for each other? Wow. That's incredible. And, and so it's it's our kind of first venture into a slow burn like serious drama. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's a coming of age film, you know, and, and Christian, he plays younger uh, foster brother who has PTSD and, and is on spectrum. And, uh-huh. and then uh, Quan Jackson, who's absolutely amazing, uh, plays his older brother, who's, uh, you know, 17 years old, black, you know, kind of in, in inner city LA uh-huh. and that. And, uh, he ends up, um, you know, tough life and all that. And he's not really being so great for his foster mom. And along comes Tristan at a, at, you know, age three, who's had all this trauma who latches onto him. And at that point he realizes he has to straighten up his life to help this kid that's like latched onto him. And, and so that's kind of a little bit of the backstory of where they are. But these these two unlikely brothers uh-huh. are closer than any blood brothers would be. Wow. And, mm. yeah, and so it's really this coming of age story for them. And, and, it, and it gets a, a whole 360 look at the entire system and how everybody tries to do their best in their own capacity. But it's all so broken. Oh, yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. We've been doing a lot of uh, discussions in that matter on yes. our show, and uh, and it's it's horrible, and it's just going to get worse. So I'm glad that you're putting it out there in yes. some sort of a way to to educate, because I mean it's a serious matter, and it, it's just a neglected matter at that, and that's so sad. It is just really sad. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you you know the first commandment of entertainment, right? Of course. <laughs> Thou shalt not bore. So first and foremost, <laughs> it, it is entertainment. Yes, um, of course. Are there some great messages and some social change stuff and social impact stuff in there? Absolutely. But first and foremost, you know, everybody that watches it, they're going to be entertained. Absolutely. Um, yes. And, you know, that's that's the best way to educate, too. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Best way to educate <laughs> is to entertain. Um, yeah. so yeah, absolutely. so we're in post production on that one. Um, so we're, we're, we're in the last final stages. So we're doing color correction so that, you know, all of the, you know, the night scenes look like night and the day scenes look like day and the colors are all, you know, right. yeah. matching and, and correct and all that. And, and then, uh, we've got music composition, uh, that's going in and then our sound design, um, you know, so that, uh, all the footsteps are supposed to be where they are and they're separated from the dialogue track. So when it goes overseas and they switch it for foreign language, we don't lose all our, our, all our sound effects of uh, people walking and doors closing and all that stuff. So those are really kind of the the three things left on there. And, and then that's, that's done and ready to uh, be submitted to Sundance Uh um, and, and then start our festival circuit. Very on nice. there. Very nice. Um, so, James and Rebecca, thank you so much for being on our show. This yes. was such a delight. Yes. Of course. We find Rekindling Christmas. Where can our fans go see this? 
So if they go to rekindlingchristmas.com, it will have all the latest links of all the retailers or streaming or physical places where they can go ahead and, and uh, you know, either rent or buy or watch or whatever. So all the latest will always be on rekindlingchristmas.com. Fabulous. Nice. Well, guys, thank you so much for being on our show. We really do appreciate it. And all the best of luck. And we look forward to seeing more future stuff from you guys. Exciting work. Yes. Especially steampunk. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to hold you to that. More steampunk. (laughs) Yes. All right, guys. Thank you so much. And you guys have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Yes, you know, we are still remembering the best of Christmas for 2021. Yes, we can't complain about ours, and we're ready for the new year. Absolutely. A lot of good things, you guys. We want to thank James and Rebecca for coming on our show and giving us another great episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. Go to our official websites at chrisandwill.com, Instagram at chris.and.will, and Facebook at The Real Prince Charmings. We do want to thank all of you for joining us and keeping us going. Remember to take care of yourself and always remember we love you. We thank you. And remember to love yourself and the world will love you in return. Have a great, wonderful start of your new year. Of course, you know, you guys, it's been our pleasure to have received your precious time. But for now, we must go. Bye. Bye. Today's episode was a Chris Will production, broadcasted on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, Apple, Amazon Music, and other podcast media platforms. Show hosts, Christopher L. Ante and William Ante. Show guests, James and Rebecca Ganier. Chris Will show assistant, Ginger Lutz Ross. Chris Will show creative consultant and show introduction voiceover, Tony Ross. Business Management, Janet Dickinson Menard. Recorded at the Chris Will Studios in Celebration, Florida. Produced by Chris Will, a Cali, New York company. Copyright Chris Will, all rights reserved. ChrisandWill.com for brand details. Produced January 2022.